Morning, everyone. All right, let's stand, and um, we're going to open with prayer. Lord, thank you for bringing us here once again today. Thank you for the great weather. We're enjoying it. And, um, but God, most of all, let us just connect to you as we continue our series on, the, on prayer and particularly how to pray using the Lord's Prayer. God, just um, we ask that your presence be here, that you'll inhabit our praise and our worship, that we will uh, just honor your holy name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
words on this journey I get lost in my mistakes It looks to me like weakness Is a canvas for your strength My story isn't over My story's just begun Failure won't define me Cause that's what my father does Failure won't define me Cause that's what my father does shame at the door cause it ain't welcome anymore ooh you're in the Father's house Arrival's not the end game the journey is where you are The story isn't over if the story isn't good. Failures never find a when the father's in the room. say hi to somebody. Our children go to our Haven kids and um, we'll get ready for worship.
our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Um, you'll be singing that song later today. Anybody ever heard that before? It's a cool song, isn't it? Really kind of cool. All right. All right, everyone. So I want to lift up some of our prayer requests here. We have a... Um, Prayer, Jen shared, uh, Legullo shared prayers for um, Benjamin. He is um, looking for a new job, and, um, and I know he's been, um, he's been, uh, had some, good, some interviews and has some schedules, so continue to lift uh, Benjamin up. Also prayer for healing for Tom Brickner um, as he's been going through some things. Uh, Lou's family, um, his, uh, Lou's show, we uh, shared, uh, Lou passed away, um, and um, his service will be May 7th at um, four funeral home and rising sun. So um, uh, if, you, if you're interested in that, continue to do so. And we just ask that you keep others in your prayers. If you would, that'd be awesome, all right? Um, I also was asked to pass on an announcement before I forget. Um, and um, that if you go to the bathrooms, they're having some water issues that they're trickling out, but they're working on that right now, okay? So if you go there, you know, be clean. I don't know. Um, <laughs> you, all, you all have um, that that sanitizer anyways, it doesn't matter, bathing it, I don't care. All right, so let's go to Lord in prayer, if we will. Um, Lord God, we just come to you today. We thank you for your um, presence with us once again. Um, we're glad that we are in the Father's house. And um, so, God, we have some prayer requests that we do have here. We ask for your, um, your Holy Spirit to... Uh, to guide and direct and be very present. Um, be with Benjamin. Let God, you have the, the job that's picked out perfectly for him. Um, we also ask for healing for Tom Brickner, for Lou's family, and all other uh, prayer requests that are going on here um, that are in our minds or hearts that we forgot. We just ask that, God, you bring them to fruition, you bring them to your fullness, and you answer our prayers because you are a holy God and an amazing God, and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so um, we're going sh to show you some of the stuff that's going on. I know many of you have been involved with our, uh, our small groups with our, on the prayer course. Challenge you to go ahead and continue with that. Um, so let's go ahead and, and show this. Melinda.
We're going to show a video here pretty soon. Today is Compassion Sunday, and it's associated with Compassion International. Um, and you're going to see a, a, a brief story um, about somebody who was blessed and life completely changed by the sponsorship of Compassion International. And um, then I'll, I'll add some other things to that. The day my mother found out she was pregnant, my father told her to end the pregnancy or he would leave her. She chose me. He was gone before I took my first breath. As a single, uneducated mother in Villaflores, Mama struggled every day to provide for us. As a young girl, I would think about my future. Would I ever become someone? The voices of my neighborhood said, you're just a poor child. Your future is set. You will never become anything. I needed someone to change my future. I joined the Compassion Program at my church. I shared my dream with my sponsor. My sponsor's reply was simple. Yaneli, I love you, and I believe in you. Sometimes you can't believe in a dream until someone else believes it with you. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. My name is Yaneli Suero doctor, wife, mother, and a precious daughter of God. Right now, there are millions of children all over the world who are desperate for someone to believe in their future, just like I was. On this Compassion Sunday, you can tell a child in poverty you believe in their future. Sponsor a child today. So that's what um, Compassion Sunday is about. Um, Compassion International, you see the difference one person made in someone's life. Um, Carol um, has been involved with Compassion International for several years, and she has over here a lot of really cool stuff outside um, the door here set up, and she can even help you get connected. And if you want to sponsor someone, she even has, has that. So in, in the grand scheme of things, it's not much um, for uh, to change someone's life like that. So um, so I, we just want to share that. It's a great ministry um, and has, has affected millions of people over the over the world forever okay
Everybody good? All right, so that's, um, so I, I pray that you guys are able to connect and, um, and really uh, let God um, connect. And if you, if you need some time to think and pray about it, go ahead and do that as well. And um, you can always connect there. Um, and if you want more information, Carol and others will help you. All right, so um, uh, you saw a couple of the announcements. Again, what I, I do want to make uh, a mention on in the, if you're not sitting in the front row, um, the cards, you see like a little QR code in front of you. There's one up here that is for the, the um, the bulletin, um, but if you want to, you can see right in front of you, there's a QR code that will help you download our church app, and you can see that you saw like some of the things that you could sign up for, Paris Foundation, um, Community Kitchen, other kinds of things that are there, even even small groups and other stuff that we're having. It's not too late to sign up for the prayer course. We'd love to have more people connect. And remember, a couple people, um, a couple of those studies, you can also, um, you, a small group, so a couple of those small groups, you can also connect um, via Zoom if you're not, uh, if you're unable to be um, be out with someone. So it's a great opportunity. But yeah, go ahead and download the church app. It gives you lots of information, lots of really cool stuff that's there. All right. Okay, so we are in our second week of... Um of our series on the Lord's Prayer. Um, and last week was kind of an introductory session. Today we're going to get into the Lord's Prayer. And in doing so, we're going um, to unpack uh, some of the first section of that. And if, if you have your Bibles or you have a Bible app or anything like that, we're going to be in a couple different scriptures today. Primarily we're going we're to be in John chapter 8, James chapter 1, and Isaiah chapter 6 as well. But we're ultimately talking um, what's based in Matthew chapter 6 and in Luke chapter Chapter 11. And today's phrase we're going to deal with is our Father which art in heaven, hallowed or hallowed, same kind of word. A lot of times we say, like we say, bless or blessed, um, hallowed or hallowed be your name. And so that's, that's where we're going to go today. And what we're, what we're kind of doing with this whole kind of thing is, um, is like taking, taking prayer and really kind of giving guidance for prayer um, the way Jesus gave us. And it's kind of like a microscope and a telescope. Has anybody ever had a microscope? Anybody ever looked through a microscope? And your focus with a microscope is really concentrated like down, down here, like what's right in front of you, what you're focusing on in your little world right here. Anybody ever looked through a telescope? And when you look through a telescope, you kind of look and then you go, you move it around a little bit because there's such a, you're like, wow. Everybody, everybody's gotten real close to the moon. Tried to see the little man in the moon, that kind of thing. Um, you're like, oh, I see a crater. That's cool. And we get really excited about that and we look for different things in the telescope. So what we're trying to do is get our prayer life off of the microscopic part of just me and my wants, my needs, my stuff here. And we're kind of putting it on the vastness of, of everything else. Um, you never, you ne I've never seen somebody, uh, you know, like when, the, when it's like a really starry night out. Yeah, anybody ever like, when you go outside, even if it's cold, you'll go out and you go, you look up, and no, I know nobody's ever looked at, like, a really starry sky and gone, wow, I am really amazing. You know, nobody ever does that. We never think of ourselves when we look at the vastness and how awesome the universe is. And, um, and so that's kind of what we're trying to do. And so um, with that, we're going to talk about worship, um, and we're going to swap the microscope for the telescope. Now, um, we, I, I shared with you last week that if I took a poll here, um, that prayer can be very difficult for many people. Um, you can see people run out the door. Um, Christians, if you say, hey, you're going to pray, or if you want a bunch of Christians to be quiet, say, okay, who's going to pray? And everybody goes, they do the thing like, if I don't move, they won't see me, all right? I won't, I won't do that. I shared last week that, even, that most Christians, 80-some percent of them, 
um, don't even speak out loud when they pray by themselves. Um, and that's most of the prayer. And only like 2% speak out loud in, in groups and other kinds of things. And so, um, I, and I've said it's, it's difficult for, for me to pray at times too. I have to speak and I have to move a lot of times because if not, my brain's somewhere else. Um, and a lot of us feel, feel bad about our brains going different places. So I thought as a way to start today, um, I would go ahead and, and share um, just a little perspective on prayer from a guy um, who's a Christian comedian named Tim Hawkins. Here we go. You ever heard these guys pray? I call them thesaurus prayers. These guys pray like a thesaurus. Like, Lord, lead us, guide us, direct us. <laughs> Means the same thing, Roger. You want to help me out here? I got things to do. Lord, guard us, protect us, watch over us. Finish, wrap it up, conclude. I'm starving, emaciated, hungry. I want to go to Denny's, IHOP, Arby's. Move it, Spurgeon. <laughs> you ever hold hands with people and they do that hand squeeze at the end of the prayer? Y'all need to stop doing that, whoever you are. That is creepy. In Jesus' name, amen. Squeeze. Did you feel that? Wasn't that awesome? No, that was horrible. It's goofy and weird. Because <laughs> praying is intimidating, isn't it? You ever pray out loud in front of people? You want to sound like you know what you're talking about. You ever been in a small group praying with? In a small group, like a circle of people, and the, you know, you're the next one in line, and the guy before you is just setting the bar way too high. <laughs> Don't you hate that? He's like using the old English, thou, thou, thee, thou does the Lord vouchsafe, thou, 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 then sings my soul. <laughs> Who invited D.L. Moody? <laughs> How am I supposed to top that? All right, uh, dear Lord, heavenly Lord of the God Lords. Keep it up. I... Squeeze. Get out. I squeezed you. Seriousness in that, isn't there? And I, I remember in, in youth group growing up, we would always, they would always have us join hands. And whether it was Sunday school or um, youth group, the teacher would go ahead um, and they'd pray and then squeeze. And if you were going to pray then you would go ahead and say something and then squeeze the hand of the next person next to you. And often it would be like somebody would pray and it would go, amen, you know. Um, so it was kind of funny. But yeah, there's this thing of prayer, we make it more. I mean, remember like I said like last week that, you know, we need to take it serious but not too seriously. And that's kind of where we are. We get focused in the first part. So today the topic is going to be, we're talking about our Father, which art in heaven. Um, and we're going to talk about the topic of adoration. That's the theme. And the, that's our primary um, aim of prayer is relationship. Relationship with God and others and adoration of God. The Book of Common Prayer, which was written in 1662. Anybody remember that? No. Um, uh, says adoration. Here's what it says about adoration. It says adoration is the lifting up of 
of heart and mind to God, asking nothing but to enjoy God's presence. Many of us, if we're going into prayer, um, we aren't thinking about adoration. We're thinking about what we need, and we're not thinking about enjoying God's presence. And that's something I think we all need to ask ourselves. Do we really just enjoy God's presence? Do we really just enjoy that? C.S. Lewis, who I've talked about a lot, said this. um, He had problems with the fact that God wanted to be worshipped, and God wanted to be praised. And and he said that that was a problem for him early on, this big egomaniac that needs this. And he said, in, in command us to glorify him, God is inviting us to enjoy him. And, um, and when you start thinking about it, um, we adore the things we enjoy, don't we? Like if we enjoy um, a sporting event or a sports team or whatever, we buy jerseys, we talk about them, we're glued to the television. If we enjoy a musician, we pay this money for a concert to get all kinds of smells that we don't smell regularly maybe. Um, but we, we do that, we go see them, we'll buy their shirts, their um, I started to say albums, forgive me. Um, we'll download their MP3s, there we go, all this other kind of stuff. And we do that because we enjoy them. And then there's, I mean, if you've ever been to a NASCAR event, anybody likes NASCAR? Yeah, I mean, like people are dressed in, in numbers and have all kinds of advertisements on them. I don't know why, but they just like this driver. And that's what happens. Those things that we enjoy, we adore. And, and that's part of it that we have here. Um, one, yeah, I challenge you to also look at um, Acts chapter 4, verses 23 through 31. And um, it's interesting because this is after... Um, after Peter and Paul are, is, are out of jail and they come back to the, um, the church that's gathering in silence and they get there and then they, they all together start to pray. And it's really cool. They start to tell God like who he is and in the midst of it, like 75% or you know, maybe even more of the prayer is just them telling God stuff that he already knows about himself. Like, God, you are the creator of the universe. Like, God, like, going, whoa, really? Oh, my gosh, I didn't know that. Um, uh, you know, and your son, you sent your son Jesus. Really, did I? Is he back? You know, God is not shocked by that, but he loves to hear us in adoration of him because it tells him that we enjoy being with him. And, and 23% of this prayer in Acts chapter 4 is about them just asking for something. Protect us. They, they were doing the thesaurus. Protect us. Guide us. Direct us. You know, that kind of thing. Um, and so, but I'd say if many of us, if we get to the point of prayer, that we're probably flip-flop. Probably 75 to 80 or 90% of that is us saying, God, do this, do this. And little of it is in there adoring God and giving him the praise and worship that he deserves. Um, so this prayer begins... Our Father, our Father, that's how the prayer, prayer begins. And so what I want to do is I want to focus a little bit on the, the fact that what we're doing, we are actually praying to, the pers- to a person. We're praying to the person of prayer, and that is God the Father. We, we say our Father, Jesus said our Daddy. That's, that's the term. Abba means daddy. And he took this, this far set apart God that was way removed so much so that you wouldn't even say his name. And he begins to call him daddy in this thing. Now, there's some things I, I want you to know that I'm going to share that's in your bulletin about our father, which art. Here we go. We're going to talk about this. And the first thing that I want you to know is God is our father. Here we go. God is our father. He's our daddy. Um, And there's something I noticed about the Lord's Prayer that I think is very, very interesting. Remember I said that the majority of Christians, particularly American Christians, pray um, alone and silent in their own prayer. And many of us pray for stuff that we want and need um, 
like God is a drive-through. But I want you to look at the Lord's Prayer that I have up here and look at the plurality of the Lord's Prayer here. Look what it says. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Um, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Isn't that very interesting, the plurality of the Lord's Prayer? When many of us focus on it as an individual thing, teach us to pray, and the disciples wanted to know how to pray for themselves. And later, Jesus, you know, gives them more instruction about prayer. But what we see here is there's a plurality here. Um, there are eight plural pronouns here, us, are, and we. And why is that? Why in the world would it be plural? We back up in, in Matthew chapter 6 a little bit. We find that the Lord says, when you, go, um, when you pray, go into your closet and shut the door behind you and pray to your Father, um, the Father who is, uh, secretly rewards you. Now, why is he telling us to do that? Because he's saying in prayer, in the same chapter, in the same section here, he is saying, yes, even when you go to yourself in prayer, remember that it's not only about you. That it's about, it's about God, you see the adoration part in there, and about we, that we are connected. We're, born, we're connected to a family. And we talked about that when we did the Apostles' Creed, that we have this communion of saints, um, that we're connected, to this, we're, we're connected to this family of God. We are all born into a family, but we are also born again into a family as well. And so the plurality reminds us that when we pray, we need to pray for others' needs as well as our own. And, and I can tell you a lot of times I'm not good for that unless somebody says, will you pray for me? Um, I'm usually going to prayer for something I need. Anybody with me in that boat? And so I, I wanted you to see that as well. So in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 15, listen to what, to what it says here. So when it's saying our father and, and things like that, it's, it's connecting us that we have siblings. And you're sitting next to a lot of them right now, all right? Um, it says, for this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and earth derives its name. So we're part of the family of God. Um, in Matthew chapter 18, 19, it says, again, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it would be done for them by my Father and our Father in heaven. Again, notice the plurality, and it reminds us several things. It reminds us that God is supreme. He is the Lord of all. He is above the earth. He is the Father of all, and he is over all. Therefore, I can relax because my daddy's got care of any situation. So our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, or hallowed be thy name. And so there's a dual nature. We learn that he is our Father, but he's also our Holy Father, or um, Hallowed, or Holy Father. This appears twice translated this way in the New Testament, and it's right here in Luke chapter, in Matthew chapter 6, Lord's Prayer, and in Luke chapter 11, Lord's Prayer. Now, this word is different areas. It is 30, um, there's maybe 30, 26 to 30 times throughout the, the rest of the New Testament in Greek, the word is translated sanctified, sanctified. So we have this Hallowed, or Holy, this Hallowed, and sanctified. What does it mean? Um, sanctified means something holy. Um, and what, so we have sanctify your name all throughout the Bible. It's saying that God's name is super holy, that everything else is profane. Everything else is, is, is wrong. Is, is not, it, it fails in comparison to God. And so um, 
the attribute of God's holiness, the holiness of God, is the most mentioned attribute of God throughout the whole entire Bible. Um, it, it is mentioned some 637 times. So if something is mentioned 637 times, do you think that this is something God wants us to know? He wants us to know that I am holy, okay, and I'm sanctified. Um, so let's look at what I think is one of the greatest chapters in all of Scripture, particularly when it comes to uh, the holiness of God. Isaiah chapter 6, um, and some of you may know that. And here's what it says. It's, I'm going to read it, and then I'm going to give you some context in a bit, all right? It says, um, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on, the, on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet. And with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. And at the sound of their voices, uh, the doorpost and the threshold shook and the temple was filled with smoke. Okay, so what's going on here? In the context, King Uzziah. King Uzziah was a beloved king. He started reigning when he was 16 years old. How many of you want a 16-year-old to take over? Um, you know, who knows? It might, it might be even better anymore. Who knows? Um, and he reigned for 52 years. 52 years. Um, so when he died, this good king who everybody loves, which can you imagine that? A ruler everybody loves, um, died. So you can imagine how the people felt. They were incredibly unstable. They were worried. They were concerned. They had this great sense of loss. And they were going through this, through this season of turmoil and anxiety and, and being unsettled. And there's this tension that was there. And Isaiah says, in that year, when everything else was falling apart, he says, that's when I saw the Lord. And there's a couple different things that, that God was, and I want to show you some of these things. Um, first of the thing is, uh, he's, what is he sitting on? A throne. Not just a chair, not just a stool that he pulls up and says, hey, I'm God, I'm going to sit down and have this conversation with you. No, he's on a throne. Now, those who sit on thrones are those who have authority and sovereignty or power. If you have, um, you may have a sovereign king. We often think about kings sitting on thrones, correct? Um, and also judges. In this time, judges would sit on a throne and people would come to be judged and they would make decisions here and there. So they were people who had authority and power that was there. So he's on this, this throne showing that God has sovereignty, power, and authority. Second thing is, what position is he in? He is high and lifted up. High and lifted up. This means that he is exalted that he is above all other things. When something's lifted up, you kind of look at it. If something goes by in the, in the sky, if somebody started to float across the room, you guys would go here. If a balloon went, you ever been in a room and a balloon goes up and people go, they look because something's up higher and it causes you to look at that. So God is in this position. He's not only got sovereignty, power, and authority, but he is lifted up. He's above all things. And um, then there's this weird verse about his train. Um, and it says, the train of his robe filled the temple. Now, um, often kings during this time would have really long, like, robes that would go behind them. It's kind of like um, bridal trains, you know what I mean, um, that they had those. The reason, the reason behind this is that you can't work with a train behind you. And, so, and, you, and, you know, nobody expects the bride to go ahead and, you know, make sure dinner's ready or to go ahead and, um, you know, make sure, you know, go to work during that time. 
who is the most important person at, the we at weddings? The bride, that's where the focus is. So this train, um, whether it is the king who has this power and majesty is walking in, it's to say that king is to be served. He's not going to serve anybody else. Same thing with a queen, not going to be served anybody else. The bride, it, we even say it, oh, it's your day, don't we? And that day is totally for them. And, you know, we, we don't expect anything until we get to the party and we take it off, right? You don't see them out there dancing around like that. And one of the things I say in every wedding, if do you have a train? They say, yes. I said, watch it. And I always say, dad, don't step on the train when you give her away. Because I've seen that before where they go, mm, like that. Um, and, and so what, I'm, what we're saying is God is not here to serve you and me. That's not God's role. God is not just at our disposal like we think so that we can ask and we get what we want because we want it. God is to be served. He is the one with power, majesty, authority. He is the one that is holy, holy, holy. And by doing so, we need to give our praise because that's what God wants. Our worship, that's what God wants from us in this whole situation. Now, here's this other weird scene. I, want, I don't want to leave you with this. There's these things flying around. And it's the only place we know of them that were talked about in Scripture, and they're called seraphim. Everybody say seraphim. Sounds like a name, doesn't it? But seraphim, anytime you see I am in Hebrew, it is like us putting an S at the end of something. It's a plurality. So here you have these seraphim who are doing what? They're worshiping God. And they're winged creatures. Um, and again, I said this is the only time we see them. Now, um, what does seraph or seraphim mean? I'm going to show you an artist's rendition. I think I have one up here of them right there. That's what an artist kind of did of them. I've seen a billion different ones, and they're really kind of wacky, some of them that we see. But uh, seraphim means burning ones. It means burning ones. And um, I don't know exactly what they look like. Uh, I'll go through this. Um, but they had two wings that they used to fly. Um, two wings that covered their faces to shield them from this incredible glory of God. And um, two wings that covered their feet because they were near holy ground. And if you read anything in the Old Testament, particularly when you come to holy, holy ground, Mo, like when Moses came to God, he said, take off your shoes. Um, it's, a, it's an honorable, honorable thing to take off your shoes because you're coming to holy ground. So here they are. They're hovering around. They're covering their feet and all this kind of stuff. And they're saying, uh, kadosh, 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 which is holy, holy, holy. Um, and anytime you see in Hebrew something that is put together that way, holy, 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 it is for emphasis. And we do the same things. It's kind of like Matthew McConaughey saying, all right, all right, all right. You know what I mean? Um, that, that's kind of what we're doing. It's something to bring repetition. And we do it with our kids. Don't, 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 and we, we, we do that all the time. We do it naturally. And, um, and many of us will go, one, two, don't maybe get three. One, two, uh, one, two, three, one. Yeah, I mean, how many times have I not gotten to five in my life? But what God is saying here, God is saying we're, we're, these, these beings are going around and they're burning because they're, they're in the presence of God. And some believe that they actually reflected the glory of God. And that's why it looks like they're burning. And also that right there, they're, they're in the worship where the hot coals 
idols are of, of, of worship, and they actually pick one up, which is the rest of the story we're not going to get into too much today. But they're, the, the whole time in heaven, all they're doing, here's, here's Isaiah, and he's like, I'm lost because our ruler's dead. And then he's, um, he's just kind of in this mood, this depression, and he sees God in the midst. He sees this big old robe. He's probably like this in the room because it's a big old robe. Somehow these things are flying around because the robe's filling the temple, and, and they're going, holy, 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 kadosh, 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 here. And when they're doing it, the, everything's shaking. I mean, that's a lot. And, and, and in the midst of this, I, Isaiah is convicted of a sin. He can't even worship because the majesty and, and holiness of God is so powerful that he's convicted immediately of how sinful he is. And he can't even get the words out, holy, holy are you, God. He can't even get that at all. Um, Billy Graham said, only when we understand the holiness of God will we understand the depth of our sin. God is holy, holy, holy. It's the only attribute in Scripture ever mentioned three times in a row. Like, for instance, you never read, God, mercy, mercy, mercy. You never say, justice, justice, justice of God. Love, 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 love of God. We focus on the love of God, but the one that is mentioned the most and the one that is mentioned for emphasis is holy, holy, holy. You think God wants us to know that he is holy? Definitely he does. He definitely does. Our culture throws um, the term holy around all the time. Holy communion, holy matrimony, holy ghost, Monty Python fans, holy grail. Um, holy cow, holy moly, holy smokes, holy crap, holy mackerel, holy hell, holy Toledo. I don't know why Toledo got picked out everywhere, but it, it did. Um, and Christians, Christians are given an attribute of holiness. It's not always... Not, not always good. It's usually negative. Oh, they're a bunch of holy rollers. Or they're holier than thou. And in some cases, yeah, I am, right? Um, but it's usually a rigid, judgmental, or like a hypocritical thing attached to us. Tony Evans, the um, great pastor from Texas, um, talked about the difference of this in, um, in how we have dishes. Uh, like, for instance, um, most, most of the time we eat dishes. Uh, how, many, how many eat dinner a lot of the time on paper plates? Anybody? How many, um, how many eat on a plate that you bought like at uh, Target, uh, Marshalls, Walmart, someplace like that, right? They're just like basic plates like that. You know anybody? Anybody else? Anybody just eat on your lap? I don't know. Here. Um, but, but I always remembered when, um, and the same thing with silverware. I remember um, when I was growing up that, in our dining room, we had this kind of like, I think you call it a dry sink or whatever. And on the top of there, it was, um, there was this little like case. And it was like, a, I think it was leather then, now it would be pleather. Um, but it had, it had these little knobs on it, and you would lift it up, and in there was this shiny silver. Um, and unless you didn't clean it. But in my house, my mom always had it like shining, and it was there. And then in another cabinet was fine china, and there was glasses that had little stems on them, you know, and little flower prints around there that were really, really thin. Anybody know what I'm saying? And those were not what we ate on every day. They were the things that we only ate when it was a holiday or somebody important was coming over. 
You know, Jack got paper plates in his little rattan holders, or he got like the little uh, Corningware with the yellow, orange kind of leaves around. Were they leaves? I didn't even know what they were. Never figured it out. But that's what I got all the time, unless it was, oh, somebody's here. And that's kind of what, um, what we look at when, when, we're, when we're looking at how we approach God. Um, and so a lot of times, you know, we're going to God with paper plates and, or, or the newest print from Walmart or from Target rather than going to God with our fine china and, our, and the best stuff that we have. Um, and so uh, God is our father. That's number one. Number two um, is another thing. Jesus tells us about two fathers. And he tells us that there is a bad father, and that's who everybody starts out with, and that is born into this world, and a good father. And when we accept Jesus, the good father becomes our father. And it's important because um, saying, uh, when we pray our father, um, it tells us that that's who we're attached to. And fathers in scripture, a lot of times we blame our good father for the things the bad father attributes to us. So I'm going to tell you, anything you ever saw good in your father, in in, father, Anything you ever saw good in your earthly father or whatever else um, and in yourself you got from your good father, which is God. Anything you see bad in someone, your earthly father, you or somebody else, you got from the bad father, and that bad father is Satan. So in the Trinity, though, we kind of miss this up a lot of times because even in our understanding of the Trinity, we look at God the Father as the mean one. We, we just think God is this God of wrath and, and hatred and all this kind of stuff. And we have that approach. So we look at God as the mean one. We look at Jesus, the nice one. And we look at the Holy Spirit as the weird one. You know, I mean, think about it. That's, why, that's, how, we, that's how we relate to, to them. And it's all God. And that's our understanding is wrong. So Satan is our bad father. Satan is our bad father. And for this, we're going to go to John chapter 8, uh, verse, start with verse 38. Jesus is speaking. Here's what he says. I'm, and he's, he's talking to a, um, a bunch of people who have things kind of mixed up. And he says, I'm telling you what I've seen in the Father's presence. And you are doing what you have heard from your father. They shout out and say, Abraham is our father, they answered. And he says, if you were Abraham's children, then you would do what Abraham did. As it is, you are looking for a way to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. Abraham did not do such things. You are doing the works of your own father. And they shout out and say, we are not illegitimate children, they protested. The only father we have is God himself. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me, for I have come here from God. I have not come on my own. God sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. Because, and this is not going to win him friends and influence people, because you belong to your father, the devil. These are religious leaders. You're not going to go up to like cardinals and popes and bishops and everything else and say, hey, your daddy's the devil. That's not going to go well with you, just to let you know. And, and it didn't for him. And he says, and you want to carry out your father's desire. And here's Jesus decides to say, let me share with you what your daddy wants to do. He says, your daddy was a murderer from the beginning um, and uh, not holding truth, for there's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father lies. And in other words, what Jesus is saying, you're just like your daddy. 
You want to kill me because that's what you're here for. And you want to spread lies about me because that's the native language of your dad. Anybody ever been talking one day and something your father said popped out of your mouth? Like when you have kids, you just say something, you say, I'm going to knock you into next week. And you're like, what? You know, I mean, like you, it, it's weird how that happens. So when you spend time, the family that you grow up in, and it, it, it's ingrained into you. And what Jesus is saying here is that every single one of us are born into this sinful nature and belong to our, the, the, the daddy of this world who is Satan. That's why we have those evil thoughts and those, those things. And that's why we're so self-centered. That's why we, we, we don't like truth when it's going to be in trouble. You ever seen a little kid lie? You have to teach a little kid to lie? No, sir, they just do it like, I remember when Jacob was little, I'd say something to him and I knew he was lying because I'd say, did you do this? And he'd be like, you know, he always sucked his head back. I'm like, yeah, you're lying to me. Um, and, and, and I knew it. Um, and, and so what, what Jesus is saying here is you're, you're speaking your daddy's language. And, and there's a problem. There's a problem with you doing that. He tells us he's a murderer and he speaks uh, lies. So, I mean, he just says, let me tell you who your dad is. Anything in our mind... We, we spent that whole time last year about talking about the mind. And um, anything that we, we say or do or anything we act on is first conceived in the mind. I mean, we may think we just do stuff, but it's there, even if it's a split second. And um, anything from that, you, you say, well, how does Satan lie? Um, well, anytime his lips are moving, we know that. But, but the bottom line is you may say, well, I don't audibly hear that. Anything that pops into your mind that contradicts the word of God is a lie from the daddy of this world. And so, uh, like, for instance, some of you may have thought, well, God doesn't love me, or God is mad at me, and God is not forgiving me. That's all lies. God has already taken care of your sin through Jesus Christ on the cross. God is not angry with you. I'm sure he's, like, frustrated, um, but he's not, never angry with you enough that he just wants you to not be with him. He loves you, and he's forgiven you, and he's just asking you to, to receive him and be, let, um, let him be your daddy. And so have you received your forgiveness? It's interesting, in Isaiah chapter 6, we know that we're forgiven by God. And Isaiah couldn't even speak. And he said, I'm a man of unclean lips. I can't even get anything out because I'm just so sinful. He was convicted by the holiness of God. He's convicted. And one of the seraphim went and got a coal and went, and which was a symbol of him cleansing him so he could praise God. And so God's taking care of that. He loves us. Satan is always lying to us. It's kind of like this. Anybody ever had... Um, saw a friend sometime or somebody you, you, you were close to or knew well, and when they come up to you and you say to them, hey, how you doing? And they go, fine. And you know something's up. And they get kind of angry with you. And they don't want to talk to you for a while. And you're like, what? What's going on? And then um, you know, I was thinking of a couple of times where somebody who didn't like me or them just told them that I said or did something. And this friend of mine, one who I did care about, is upset at me because of something else somebody else made up and said and did. And I started thinking about that. That's kind of like how we approach our prayer life a lot of times. We get mad at God for something that the lies that Satan we don't even care about tells us. And we get so wrapped up into it time and time again. Um, and he is the father of lies. He's going to do that. So we have, we have God as our father. Satan is a bad father. And there's another father, the good father. God is our good father. God is our good father. Satan's bad. God is good. 
I know y'all been in church, want to say all the time and all that stuff, okay? That's good. Um, we're going to go to James chapter 1 now. Okay? I told you we're popping around a little bit here. James chapter 1, James is the um, half-brother of Jesus. And James says this, when tempted, and the Greek here is enticed, no one should say, God is tempting me. And this next phrase from God cannot be tempted by evil is one Greek word, and it's different than the other one. Okay, so hold on to that. It's one long Greek word. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed or tempted there. Then after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my uh, dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heaven and lights. Remember that phrase, who does not change. It's also a word in their variation. So hold on to that. Like the shifting sad, uh, shadows. Here's what this is saying. What is being written to us and what is being conveyed to us, uh, James is saying is, don't be deceived. Who are you going to be deceived by? Satan, you're the dad of this world, your original father here, because we're born into sin. Um, so don't be deceived by the lies that he tells you. Everything evil in your life does not come from God, because it is impossible. Everybody listen to me. It is impossible, impossible for God to do evil. Absolutely impossible. Um, God can't, remember that part that I said, God cannot be tempted by evil? It is one Greek word, and it means it is impossible. God cannot be touched by, God cannot be approached by, God cannot even be in close proximity to anything that is evil. And there's, that's why in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve sinned, it separated us from God. And it existed that way until Jesus became the sacrifice for us. And when he was on the cross, what did he say? He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because in taking on all human flesh to be the um, propitiation, there's a good biblical word, but to be the, the, the payment for you and me, he died on the cross taking that. He, he separated himself from God to take sin all on him. Yeah. God cannot do that because that's not part of his nature. Jesus did by becoming the creator, becoming the creation. Everybody with me here? That's deep theology in five seconds. Um, so God cannot even be around evil. So we have to stop blaming our good dad for the stuff our bad dad leads us into. And we got to stop blaming our good dad for the stuff that we as bad children do. And, and you, you ever... You ever Ever as a parent get blamed for something you didn't even do? Like your kid does something and they're in a situation and you start to talk to them and they're like, well, if you had done this, and you're like, excuse me? You want to live till tomorrow? Um, you, know, you know what I mean? It's we get blamed for stuff we didn't even do. And we do that to God all the time. All the time we blame God. But every good and perfect gift comes from God. And so if there's something in your life that is drawing you away from God or, or causing you to have this conflict, it's not God. It's you or, or our earthly, um, the, the daddy here of this world, Satan. Um, in 1 Corinthians, we see with every temptation, God will provide a way out and escape. God is good. Satan is bad. Every good gift comes from God, the foundation of the entire theology. Here's my foundation for the entire bit of theology. Here you go. God is good. Satan is bad. There you go. That's deep theology for you today. Right? So that's what happens. So why, so ask yourself, if, if someone 
said something about you that hurt you or somebody did something to you and, and whatever else, why would you want to talk to that person that caused the problems that you have? Why would you want to spend time doing that? And why, why the person that is good and always there for you and always helps you out, out of ways? I mean, I've had people in my life where I have gone the extra mile to help and to be there for and to encourage and to, and to support and to be there for them. And at one point in their life, for some reason, they just don't want to be around me. They just want to cut me out of their lives. Anybody else been there before? And, and that hurts at times, right? And yet that's kind of what we do to God. God gives us all the good stuff and we only come back when we want something. Hey, God, can you give me this? And then he's like, well, I mean, sorry, okay, fine. You don't want to do it? I'll go on. And that's how we live our lives in many different ways, all right? So um, uh, part of prayer is talking to the good father about what the bad father is putting you through. Um, God, I messed up, and I was listening to the bad father again, and I'm sorry, and, and I need you. Um, Psalm 119, uh, 68 says this. You are good, and what you do is good. It's God's nature. And a lot of times we'll say, yeah, God, this happened, but, and God said, I didn't do it, but I'll, I'll help you stand up. I'll help your way out of it. Another important part is that God um, can turn it for good. He can change the mess that our bad dad has done in our lives. And that's why it says, who does not change the variation, that there's no, no change in him uh, from God. Our Lord's, the, the Lord's Prayer begins, our Father. And I, I, I really believe, um, when I was in, in seminary, um, in grad school, uh, a friend and I did a, a study on fatherhood and the effects of fatherhood or lack thereof on individuals in life. And it was amazing. We, it was uh, back in the early days of video where you had to splice it. You didn't have a phone that worked and you had to do all this kind of stuff. And, um, and some of the things that we saw about how fathers affected all types of people day in and day, day, in and day out. Um, and I believe that a lot of our bondage in life is rooted in some kind of fathering wound in our life. Uh, we act out of rejection um, that we're, when we're born with it because we're, we're born and rejected by God because of sin. And we're born again and accepted by God. And that's kind of how this works. But we all have father wounds at some level. You may have had a great father. Um, I did. And yet still they could never live up to being perfect. Um, and, uh, you know... And, we, and, we, and studies show time and time again, and, and there's also a lot of other studies about motherhood. Um, we're not talking about that today because we're, we're talking about this, but just like um, how a lot of affirmation um, and how people feel comes from a father or father figure in their life. Um, little boys um, often have their affirmation. And again, when I'm saying sweeping generalizations, keep in mind they're sweeping generalizations. But um, often get their affirmation from their father. Like if they're in a sporting event, they want to see dad uh, and they love to see mom too. But, but it's like, you know, it, historically, like I know my dad was always in a meeting and working. One of the first things I did when I had kids and I remember the days when he would come and see me in a sporting event and I got excited about it and nervous because my dad was there. Um, but I also remember um, that when I, when I, uh, first started having kids and they started playing Little League, I told the leadership, I'm going to coach because I want to be involved in my kid's life. I mean, I don't know whether that was always great for Jacob and the other kids in life, but um, I, I was going to do it anyway. Um, but um, often little, uh, they find out that many little girls um, get an affirmation from, and there's an extra affirmation when, if they have a dress on it, and mom's like, oh, you look great or whatever. And dad says, oh, you look beautiful. It just does something that we see study after study after study. Um, Often many, uh, many women, they, sh they show that um, 
still get affirmation from father figures in their lives and, and often try to seek out um, the, the ideal uh, mate for life based off of their father. They, they look for some of those traits is what some studies show. And grown men still get their affirmation from their father and um, it shapes what they believe that fathers and men need to be. And um, I've sat with many of a grown man that could be in 50, 60, 70 years old who still have these father wounds so deep that all they would want to do is just hear their father say they were proud of them and love them. And some people never get that opportunity in life. And that's just kind of what, what continues on and on and on as we, as we see this. Um, Jesus said we pray our father. Uh, Jackie Hill Perry, who is an author, a poet, and a hip-hop artist and a Bible teacher. That's an interesting combination, right? Um, but says this, if God is holy, then he can't sin. If God can't sin, then he can't sin against you. If he can't sin against you, shouldn't that make him the most trustworthy being there is? It's pretty awesome. In John 14, 15 and 16 at the Last Supper, um, Jesus starts to tell him, now you can talk to the Father. Ask the Father anything in my name and he'll give it to you. He says, you got to talk to your dad. In the Old Testament, it's interesting because they talk to the father of all, the great father. But in the New Testament, when Jesus comes to prayer, he says, our daddy, our daddy. He says, I want to show you something different. And the power of this goes deeper. Um, in John chapter 20, verse 17, right after the resurrection, Jesus is talking to Mary in the garden. And Jesus makes this statement. I think this is really powerful. He says, do not hold on to me. For What does he say? For I have not yet ascended to the father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my father and your father, my God and your God. In other words, he said, what, what big brother did here? Opened it up. Welcome to the family. It's our father right here. I, I was thinking about that and... Um, I was thinking that I was blessed uh, with my dad that I could talk to him about pretty much everything in life. I mean, there's those times in life that you're like, I ain't telling him that. Um, but there came to that point in life that, particularly when, we, when I was older, that I could talk to him about absolutely anything. Um, he was very approachable. And honestly, a little bit, like a, a week or so before he died, I got to sit with him and share something that um, was major with me and that I, that I had this like epiphany and I was struggling and dealing with it. And, I, and even though he was bedridden, he was laying there, I guess he had to listen to it because I was, he wasn't going anywhere. Um, but, um, and he was pretty much done with life and just waiting. I mean, he really was. And um, I got a chance at that moment that he was my dad, I got a chance to talk to him deeply and intimately. And, um, and it was just a special time where even though, even though we had the loss of mom and even though he had his own health issues and even though I was running around like crazy trying to live life and help out and, and everything was just a squirrel, at that moment, everything stopped because I, I, I had to have a conversation and I got a good conversation with my dad, a great one. And um, if, if you don't have good earthly memories of your father, that's okay because here's what I'm going to tell you. You've been adopted by the good father. And that's, that's what it's about. And he does not change. And there's nothing evil in him. And he wants best for you. And he has uh, only thoughts of you. And my prayer is that you'll spend time talking to your good and loving father. God can heal those wounds. And like I said, I had a, a fantastic earthly father. And he wasn't perfect. Um, <clears throat> but Satan can try to get me to focus on a few of the minor things. Like a lot of times we focus on just the minor things. If I focused on the things that my, that my dad did that were not right, 
then I would have a whole different opinion of him if I didn't weigh it against the things that he did that were so great. And often that's what we do. We focus on the things we don't like about God. We don't get our way and we, we have to live a certain way and all this kind of stuff. And Satan can kind of get me to focus on those things and lose track of, of who God is. I had a great father on earth, but I have the greatest father in heaven. Our father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. As I said, my, um, one of the things I was thinking about is I grew up in the church, like first week I was born, I was in church. And um, my dad was the, the pastor. Um, and if there was an associate, dad was the lead pastor in, in my life. Um, and he was um, loving, gifted, uh, funny, caring, knowledgeable. He also had judgment. My rear end bears the scars um, of my father. Um, but I mean, and I deserved every one of them. Um, but then I learned how to make him laugh, so it was less, uh, less than one time I got underneath the bed and he went to grab me and I rolled to the other side and he went to grab me and I rolled to the other side and I kept doing that because I knew he had to go. One time I put a book in my pants and he started spanking me and he's like, what the? And then he starts laughing and I got off scot-free. I've used humor a long time. Um, had to. But um, when he felt, dad was also, um, when, uh, what I also saw is when someone unjustly went after his family, even at times because of what he did and the stances that he took. He did not have any problem approaching that head on for his kids or for his wife or for people that were close to him, his family. He attacked it head on. And, you, I mean, you know, dad had his limp and everything, but you didn't want that man mad. I mean, you could tell he was ticked off, and he did not, he did not waver when you messed with his family. Um, and... And uh, one of the things I also thought that was interesting is when he was called to do something, he would do it full force. And as a kid, it was cool because I kind of had this idea that my dad owned the church. So I could walk in like, bam, this is my daddy's place, you know, and I could walk in and do what I want. And, and I, I would get access into places that I didn't. When my dad was in the office, I would go in. When my dad was preaching as a kid, I would walk up front at times and he'd pick me up. I did the same things with my kid. You know why? Because my daddy's in charge. And what we need to learn is that our bad daddy is not in charge in this world, but our good, good, holy, holy, holy father is in charge. And so we have access to him all the time. And the Lord's prayer reminds us that everything you see around us, our daddy is in charge of. And it may not seem like, it may seem like bad daddy has something in, in charge, but really, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, is in charge. As I wrap up, I want to give you some things for prayer. Because this is not all about just knowing about it. It's about doing it. It's about taking this thing, that prayer that we're all so freaked out about, that we don't want to squeeze somebody's hand or we're going to squeeze to go through, or that we're, we're scared of having the thee, thou, whatever, and I'd be like, uh, you know, okay, God. Um, it's, a, it's a model for prayer. And so I'm going to give you this four-step model that those of you in the small groups will hear this discussed a lot more. Um, and it's, it's a real simple acronym called PRAY. All right, can you all remember that? All right, so here it is really quickly. When we go to God in prayer, and we're talking about worship and adoration, that's what we start with here. We pause. We pause. I am one of those people, as you know, that I come into a room and it's like, Pff. and I remember my first job out of college, there was a lady um, named Jean. She was my supervisor. And I would literally walk into her office and say, hey, that thing that we, about so-and-so, we can't get it there. And she goes, stop, what are you talking about? And what was really funny, after a couple months of working with her, I could do it and she'd know exactly what I'm talking about. But, but one of the things that I learned that I need to do at times is when I, even though it's on my mind, that I need to come into a place and just go, 
Just pause. Pause before I start opening my mouth. Psalm 46, 10 says, be still and know that I'm God. We start with prayer and stop talking, and then we start to wonder, like, wow, who am I talking to? I'm talking to the God of the universe. Holy, holy, holy Lord. That's who I need to start. So um, sometimes it might be a small phrase. God, you are so holy. It might be, Daddy, I love you so much. You're so amazing. You're so wonderful. You are so, you have such great majesty. We just start with who we're talking to. Like if you met somebody important, we don't just say, like, we don't just say, hey, what's up, bud? Let me tell you about what's going on in my life. Usually if we meet somebody who's really important, that has some clout to them, we go and say, nice, sir, nice to meet you, so good. And we wait for them to respond. So go into this and, and pause first. Next thing is, rejoice. Rejoice. So often we come to prayer with the burdens that we're trying to get out. That we don't, if we stop and pause and recognize who God is, then we rejoice that he's our dad. And a scripture says in Philippians 4, 4 and 5, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I will say rejoice. Um, so we reflect and thank God for one or two things in our life that we're really happy for. The Psalms, some of them we may just read the Psalms out loud. Or we may play worship music. Like there's certain songs that I'm like, wow, you know, that's amazing. And it, there's going to be times you don't feel like it. Anybody gone to prayer, you know you need to, and you're just like, I'm feeling it. You're like, I'm going to try to get this thing out. You want to get it out really quick? I'm going to tell you this. Fake it till you make it. Fake it till you make it. Um, Tell God you, you love him when you don't feel like it. Just tell him. Next thing is, here's the part we like. We usually throw this up first. Ask. We're not going to spend a lot of time at all on this because um, the next couple weeks are going to be on this. Um, James 4, 2b, like the second half of uh, verse 2, says, you do not have because you do not ask God. And you say, wait a second, I've asked God for lots of things. And here's why you don't have. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives. You know how many times I thought it would be a really cool idea if God made me a multimillionaire? You know what I mean? I think it would be a really cool thing. I'd help a lot of people. I'd help myself too. Um, but God, I think God knows that, as Rick Warren said, the biggest challenge to his faith was immediate wealth. And they had to change it. And the third, the, the fourth thing here, uh, in the next three weeks we're going to do petition, intercession, and unanswered prayer. Um, and then Yield. Yield. This just means yes. You can put that down. Meditate, pause, contemplation at the end of prayer. I think it's interesting. Our prayers are supposed to be pause at the beginning to get ourselves right and hear from God and then pause at the end to hear, what, to think about what God said and to go ahead and maybe to surrender to God's will. Psalm 1 says, blessed is the one who meditates on his law day and night. Meditation is me and God. Contemplation is communion only God. All right? Sound good? So what I want you, what I want you to do is, is this this week. Pick up my water. Um, I want you to go ahead and, um, and just try this. Try, try pray. Try to pray those ways um, and see how, it, see how it comes out. Right now, that's what we're going to do. All right? So I'd ask if you'd stand as we go ahead and we pray. I'm going to take some of my own advice, and first thing we're going to do is pause. Daddy, you are a good 
good father. You're amazingly great, and when I mess up, you're still awesome. And so I, um, I just think that so many times I've taken you for granted. I've, I've taken many people for granted in my life before, but, but God, I, I, I take for granted just how you, you love me. And I, Christian, my Christian faith has often gotten so stale because I forget how incredible and awesome and majestic you are and how loving you are. I thank you for loving me so much that you sent your son, Jesus. That because of him, I don't have to say the father, but I can say my father, our father. And so during the remaining time together today, God, I just want to thank you for just all the things in life that I don't think about enough. All the things in life that I take, that I just uh, dismiss. And, I, and I'm sorry for focusing on the things of the bad father. And so right now, I just ask you, Daddy, to, uh, to just speak to us during this time. Help us not be afraid of talking to you. Help us to embrace just talking to you. Just picking up the phone and calling our dad. And that's what we're going to do during this time. So, Lord, as you've given us so many blessings, and we're going to return some of that right now in your tithe and our offerings. And so may you receive those and just be uh, and bless those here if you're visiting with us today. You're our guest in the Father's house. And, um, and so just experience and just, just receive what our Father has for you today. So, God, just um, so many people um, are just uh, dealing with so much, and I whether it's turmoil with relationships, whether it's um, medical diagnosis, whether it's just we just feel lost, whether we have relationships that are breaking down, whatever it is, I just ask you to give us what we need, our daily bread. And so as we worship you in this time, speak to us in your name. Amen.
then no one beside him, right? Uh, and no one beside him, right? All right, there we go. Um, so have a great week. And literally, I mean, we're not doing this for any other reason but to just strengthen our prayer life, all of us. So go ahead and just apply that. If you mess up, awesome. You ever messed up talking to your dad? You go, oh, my gosh, I can never talk to you again. No. Go ahead and do that. And if you want, get somebody and squeeze their hand next to you. Have a great week.